Hey you, welcome to Her Defined, the podcast dedicated to the woman who's still trying to figure it all out when it comes to her career. I'm your host, Juliana, who has just as ambitious career goals as you do. So let's achieve ours together. Join me each week for a conversation with a compelling businesswoman or entrepreneur. Keep listening as I'm sure her advice and insight will assist you in defining your own means of success. So class is in session today, and we are learning all about our sexual and reproductive health, because Lord knows I learned a whole lot of nothing uh, back in high school. (laughs) Ladies, when you think of birth control, what do you think of? For me, I'm thinking maybe the pill, the shot, the IUD. Are any of you thinking about condoms? Did that come to your mind at all? Maybe for some of you, but I think for a large percentage of us, It didn't. And that's probably because condom companies are always marketing to men and they don't even think about targeting women. Well, Victoria Lyons is on a mission to change that narrative. As an experienced advertising creative, Victoria believes in the power of brands to make a difference in the world. She began her career when she moved to New York City to intern at various advertising agencies. She had to move back to Canada during quarantine last year, and with more time at home, Victoria brainstormed the idea for Slip. This year, she founded the brand with the mission of empowering women to feel comfortable buying, carrying, and using condoms. Slip is a sexual wellness company creating condoms for women first. It delivers condoms discreetly to your door so you can avoid the awkward trip to the condom aisle. Through discussions about women's personal struggles with birth control, Slip realized that many women feel awkward buying condoms, don't carry condoms with them, and even feel uncomfortable enforcing the use of a condom. Slip noticed that condoms on the market focus primarily on male pleasure and don't address women's sexual health. Slip condoms will be made with natural rubber latex and 100% silicone oil lubricant. In this episode, Victoria discusses her love of variety in the day-to-day business of Slip Health and how she is constantly learning how to improve the brand. She gives her tips on conducting the best and most accurate market research and finally the process of launching a crowdfunding campaign via Indiegogo. So welcome, Victoria, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for allowing me to come on. This is great. And this is how I love to learn through other people giving, you know, experience and all that stuff. So yeah, I love that you're doing this. Introduce yourself and tell us about your career and what you were doing prior to starting Slip Health. Yeah, for sure. So I am Victoria and I'm the founder of Slip, which for context is a women first condom brand with the mission to, first of all, normalize women carrying condoms, but also empower people to feel in control of their sexual health. Um, But my background is in advertising. I've pretty much been working in advertising since I graduated from university. And I am an art director. So I design and concept uh, advertisements for brands. And I think what drew me to advertising in the first place was how brands can have influence and you know, an impact in culture. And so I think when I was thinking about my own personal struggles with birth control and the lack of sexual education, I saw this opportunity for a brand to come in and sort of fill a gap in the condom market, but also talking about these other related things. Amazing. Can you talk more about your experience of moving to New York and what you loved most about it? 
I'm an art director now, but I went back to school for that um, a couple years after graduating from university. And a part of going back to school, I ended up uh, doing a few internships in New York through that program to intern as an art director before I actually got hired as one. So I moved there um, and it was amazing. It's like, as people say, there's just sort of this energy there. Um, and it was really exciting, especially moving there for a career sort of move. And then advertising, New York is like, you know, the, the star of advertising. <laughs> moving to a different city, like anyone who's been, had the opportunity to move away for work specifically, I think it's really awesome to, you know, experience a really global workforce and have the experience to work with people from all around the world. It kind of just makes your world feel feel bigger. Yeah, definitely. And when you were moving there, did you ever feel like apprehension or anything? Because I went away for school in Toronto. And when I was doing that, I thought that was like the biggest move ever. Two hours away, like it was so scary. But then once you do it, wow, I'm so glad I actually did. But did you feel like any apprehension, like you're moving to a completely different country? Yes, 100%. I remember when I was driving there, uh, like as we drove into the city, my dad, I had moved to Toronto before that. And my dad was like, it's a good thing you went to Toronto first, because I can't imagine going from London, Ontario <laughs> to New York City. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was scary, but it makes you feel very independent to kind of push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And it's always easier and less overwhelming than you think it's going to be. Right. I love that. Looking back on your career this far, what's the craziest thing you've done for a job? Um, like work for free, I guess, <laughs> which I think everyone has probably has experience doing. Um, as I just mentioned, like interning in New York. So I've done a total of four unpaid internships in my life, which seems crazy. And I mean, I'm really grateful for the experience and I feel like it got me really far, but I also feel like frustrated because I think that's so unfair. Not everyone has the you know ability to do that. Right. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I could. Um, but I think that like, it's about time. We just need all internships to be paid. <laughs> so when you did do these unpaid internships, were you working another job or how did you supplement making an income when you were trying to gain experience, but also you weren't getting paid? I had been working professionally before that, which helped me kind of, you know, save up. Um, my parents helped me a little bit, which obviously I'm very lucky to have, um, but also just went into a lot of debt, <laughs> to be honest. And I feel like I finally got back on my feet after that. And I don't know if I would recommend it for everyone, but... Right. I was going to say, would you say that it's worth it? But at the same time, when you're in it, you're sort of like okay, we're in it. We're just going to give it a shot. Yeah, exactly. I think you just go with your gut and you know if it's going to be worth it. And I felt very sure that it was going to get me where I needed to be. And I feel like it really paid off. Elaborate on your experience with birth control and why you've opted for the non-hormonal approach. Mm, yeah. So I think like a lot of people, I went on the pill in high school. Yeah. Um, and in university, I just started to question what, how it was affecting my body. I like was irritable and kind of moody, but didn't know if that had anything to do with hormones or not. Um, so I went off of it just to give it a try. And I really liked the feeling of being off of it. I just felt more like in touch with my natural cycle. I felt a little bit more me, like hormones affect your mood and your brain, et cetera. So the fact that I could be off it and still feel great. Um, I felt more me, I guess, just 
to caveat, like I think hormonal birth control is a lifesaver. I think that if you can be on it, have no side effects and it works with your lifestyle, I think it's amazing. And like, it's literally changed the world. Women have been able to be in the workforce longer. Um, just having that peace of mind is amazing. So I wouldn't say that I'm like advocate for people to not be on hormonal birth control, do whatever is right for you. And then I was like, well, there's condoms, like there, you know, there's, there's other options out there. <laughs> and which, yeah, again, is sort of like the main story behind slip, I guess, is that I felt like, yeah, there's condoms, but I never really found there was a brand that I liked and I never wanted to buy it myself. And I felt awkward carrying them and, and all that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like you really notice the parallel between like birth control and then condoms. Like mm -hmm. I've never really even thought about it until I came across slip, which is really astonishing if you think about it. Yeah. It's funny that they call the condom male birth control, but it's like, well, it's for women too. And, and that's what the, the thing is that I find all the condom brands out there are trying to convince men to wear them. They're like, Oh, it feels like nothing enhanced pleasure, et cetera. And none of them are speaking to women about their health, which is like what, what it really matters. You know what I mean? More is at stake for women, really. Totally. You had to move back in with your parents due to COVID-19, something that a lot of us millennials have had to do to make ends meet. What was your experience like and describe the whole transition? When I first came back to my parents, it was actually just for the weekend. Like I remember my coworker made a joke because everything was starting to close down. And as I was flying back home, he's like, well, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so anyway, I came home for the weekend and then the office closed. So I was like, oh, I'll mm -hmm. stay home for a couple of weeks. And that led mm -hmm. to a couple of months. And now it's been over <laughs> a year. <laughs> I'm actually very grateful for the time I've had living with my parents. It's so different when you come back after you've like built a career and you've really become an adult and you've lived on your own. It's more, it's less like the parent-child dynamic, I guess. And I mean, I'm sure it's different for everybody's relationship. Um, but I feel very grateful to kind of connect with my parents on a adult more level and spend this much time with them at this point in my life. I feel like a lot of people don't have the chance to be that close. Everyone has experienced COVID differently. Everyone has, it's impacted everyone very differently. I think for me, it's kind of allowed me to just slow down and be more present. When you were conceptualizing Slip, you gained mentorship from several business coaches. What did you learn from them? Yeah, so I feel like when you're starting a business, you don't even know what you don't know. It's like you just deal with one challenge at a time and then the next comes up and you just take it day by day. So I think working with business coaches is really nice because they kind of have this foresight and experience that can really help you and help you you know, be aware of challenges before they come up. Um, so just to give a main example, which I think is probably relative for all businesses. Like my first question was, is this business even feasible? And the coaches had different tools and resources and like worksheets and stuff like that, which helped me figure that out. And then the next step was figuring out how I would finance it, which is also huge. My first thought was like, oh, I'll just get a bank loan. And then they, I learned that banks don't really give out loans to a business that hasn't already, you know, started or isn't already selling something because it's just too risky. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just get investors. <laughs> and then I learned that investors don't really invest in an idea. They will invest in more of a, you know, 
tangible product or like you need to be further along. And I recently just did this crowdfunding campaign. And that was something I had never thought of or didn't know to do or didn't know was an option until I worked with different business coaches. So yeah, I think I've learned a lot of things. It's just nice to have someone you could approach every time one of those questions comes up. Right, definitely. And how did you go about finding a business coach or how does one find one? So I learned that a lot of universities have services for alumni and stuff like that. So I reached out to Western, which is where I went to school. Um, I can't even remember who I emailed. I think I just Googled Western business coach or something like that and asked if they had any resources and they connected me with someone. It was totally free. It was just this mentorship through the school because I was an alumni, which is nice. And then I also through them, through Western, found out about Tech Alliance, which is an incubator type thing in London. Same thing. It's, you know, I think it's government funded. So you're not paying for their services um, for just like the basic stuff. But yeah, if you're in Toronto, I think Mars is the incubator. Lots of things out there, but a lot of, a lot of free resources, which I would recommend looking into. What are your tips on conducting good market research? Hmm. I think number one is never stop getting feedback because it will always be relevant. So for me, because I'm still, we're launching soon, we haven't officially launched. So I've had to do a lot of market research, but there will be so much more down the line once we actually launch and get an initial response and stuff like that. So I've done two phases. The first I did uh, just a Google form type of survey and uh, sent it out on social media and got like 250 responses or something. And that was more, it wasn't, it wasn't sharing the idea or the product. It was more like, is birth control an issue for you or a challenge? Or how do you feel about condoms? What don't you like about condoms? All those kinds of questions, just to make sure that this was actually a problem other people had. It wasn't just me and that they'd actually be interested in the solution. After that, I have been doing one-on-one interviews. And I kind of like, I've learned this strategy through, I've taken a couple of business courses. So what I did first and what I recommend doing is find competitors or like similar brands out there if there isn't an equivalent competitor. And then it sounds creepy, but just like deep (laughs) dive on social media and find people that clearly are obsessed with their brand. So the people that, you know, comment on their stuff or share their stuff and, and all that kind of stuff, get a sense of who that person is like you know, what age are they? Are they in a relationship? Anything you can kind of find out about the general audience that are their super fans and then go out and find people that match that demographic, I guess. So it might be, you might have friends that fit the demographic or friends of friends. Uh, There might be like a network out there that fits that persona. And then I went out and talked to those people and asked them questions specific to slip, but also like, what TV shows do you watch and what do you do for fun and and all that kind of stuff. So that the advice I got was like, every time there's a problem in your business, try to look through like almost like ask this fake persona, what they would think first and try to get a really good sense of who that person is so that you're always thinking of them first. I love that. That's so specific to raise funds for your initial launch. You've started a campaign via Indiegogo. Talk about the process of setting up this campaign, crowdfunding and how it's become so successful. Yes. So Indiegogo is a crowdfunding website. It's similar to Kickstarter or like 
there's GoFundMe, but I think GoFundMe is generally more fundraisers, more like personal as opposed to business. What I did first is I felt like if I was going to launch a crowdfund, crowdfunding campaign, I needed someone to launch or people to launch to. So I decided that I was going to sort of announce what Slip is on social media and try to start to build a community. So I did that, which felt weird, but the advice I've heard and what I've learned is like, you should start building a community, even if you haven't launched yet, if you can, because why not (laughs) build those people that, you know, you can launch too. So I did that first. Um, And then the way it works is you typically come up with, they're called perks, but they're different packages that people can buy. And when they buy it, they're donating to your fundraiser. So you don't have to do that, but it tends to be more successful that way. So I have, I created like sample condoms. Um, They won't be the final product that goes to market, but they're basically promotional condoms with slip branding on it and little carry cases and I had candles and a hat and stuff like that. So people could go and actually buy merch and product if they wanted to, or they could just donate. And then I had to make a video that tells a story and I could kind of share with people to get them to understand why I was crowdfunding and what the overall idea is. Uh, just share it basically all over social media. It's kind of exhausting. Like you just have to reach out to everyone in your network. Um, and I would say that that was the biggest challenge for me. I felt like it was really hard to keep up momentum and I'm not a very pushy person. So if I shared it with someone once, I didn't want to share it with them again, but I was like, maybe they just need a reminder. <laughs> so personally, I ended, it ended like two days ago, but I reached 53% of my goal. That's amazing. Congrats. Thanks. And I think that um, other people are like, you can work with agencies or do paid advertisements to kind of help build the momentum a little, little more. When you say that you're not really persistent or maybe you're more of a shy person, how do you remind yourself to keep up that persistence and maybe send that second message where you're like, hey, just in case you didn't see this, here I am again. Check it out. (laughs) I would talk to people around me about it and like express my concern and they would typically reassure me. So like, for example, um, I was talking to my aunt and she's like, oh, I haven't donated yet, but you're going to send another email, right? And remind me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't going to because I don't want to be pushy. She's like, oh, I expected that you would send another one to remind me. So I kept, once I heard that, I would try to keep those voices in my head and, and remind myself that it's just kind of a reminder. So describe your typical work day. So I uh, still work completely full time, as many people who are starting a business. <laughs> Pretty typical day. I'm an early riser and I like to like in the morning, get my me time and, you know, like work out and go for a walk and all that stuff. And then I usually do a bit of slip stuff before work, um, like sending out emails or scheduling social media or something like that. And then usually work my full-time job nine to six ish or whatever the day entails. And then I usually go back to working on slip, usually like a few nights a week and one day on a weekend. So like I give myself, you know, some balance so that I can see my loved ones and stuff like that. Do you live by any mantra or do you do manifestations or do you have a piece of advice that you always resort back to? Yeah, I, I, I love mantras and I have like notes in my phone of words to live by. (laughs) I love it. Me too. (laughs) 
I'm like always quoting things. I feel like I'm annoying about it, but I'm like, oh, there's this quote. (laughs) Or it's like someone's telling you, a friend's telling you about their experience. You're like, oh, I have the perfect quote for you. Just give me a sec. Exactly. That is me. But I feel like right now, the mantra that I've kind of been reciting in my head is that consistency is more important than intensity. Pretty much any context, I feel like it applies. Like if you, you know, do a little bit of exercise every day, it's going to be way more effective than like going all out once. Or like if you meditate a little bit every day, it's more effective than just going to one retreat. And then I think like sort of branching off of that mantra, every day I ask myself, did I move the needle today? Which I think is kind of relevant to the, the mantra. But I feel like it's a good way to keep being consistent and progress forward in a like, not an intense way. So it's like, did I send an email or like, just do a little something that will move me forward today? Like, yeah, don't need to be too intense, but just like, make sure always progressing a little bit. I think that's super valuable, especially right now, because, well, for us, we're in Ontario. So we are starting to see the openings of us coming out of this third lockdown. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really Mm -hmm. just drained. So it's very hard for me to keep that intensity that I had like a year ago when we just Mm -hmm. started the first lockdown. And it's, I think it's so easy for us to get on ourselves about how hard we haven't worked or, or we didn't really do a lot today. But if you do like a little bit or just put in a bit of effort each day, that is obviously going to amount to a bigger goal achieved at the end of it. Yeah, I don't think it's most effective to be super intense all the time, just because you can't keep up with that and maintain it. And you might go through days where you're just exhausted and you need a break. And even like, not to go on this tangent, but like, even as women, our hormonal cycles give us different energy, you know? I was (laughs) just gonna say that, like, your luteal phase versus your follicular phase, like, I feel completely different, like night and day during those times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other thing if you schedule according to your your cycles and stuff like that. But the little bit every day, I feel like is it's easy to maintain without going overboard. How do you define yourself in relation to your career? Yeah, I feel like my go-to word I would say is resourceful, which I think is why I love building a business. I feel like it is so fun to just like continuously learn and search for answers and overcome different obstacles because it feels like you're constantly progressing and, and growing. And I feel like I'm never not taking a course or reading a book or doing something. That is so fair because I'm always eager to learn. And like you said, taking courses or, you know, you're never going to have all the answers. And I think surrounding yourself with resources or people that, you know, might know more than you is, is super helpful. Yeah. And I think when you get more, I feel like there was a quote coming to my head. (laughs) I feel like um, when you get more and more, I don't know, like the most successful people in the world, like, you know, the Bill Gates or the famous success people, as you get more and more successful like that, you might become less humble. But if you remember to always consider that you have something to learn from someone, I feel like it just makes you a better person like no one wants to be around someone who thinks they know everything so true yeah when you do have that mindset that you always want to learn it does in a way make you humble Mm -hmm. 
just more enjoyable to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. What do you love most about what you are currently doing? What I love most about what I'm currently doing is just the constant growth, be it in slip, like my business or even in my full-time job. Um, I feel like I have to constantly be learning new things like as an art director and designer, the technology is always changing. There's new trends and stuff like that. So I feel like the yeah constant growth and learning is really exciting. And yeah, it just makes me motivated that I can figure it out and learn something new. What are you currently working on? What are you excited about? And or what are you most looking forward to? So thanks to a successful Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign, I have officially placed my inventory order with my manufacturer for Slip, which is very exciting. It just feels like more of a business when you've got the product. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll be launching, it should be in a few months. It's just a matter of how quick the manufacturing process goes. Um, And so I feel like this is the part that I've been most looking forward to, like the launch and all the marketing and everything we can do to actually, you know, get out there and enter the market. So yeah, I'm really excited for the next few months for that. I love that. And then finally, can you just let listeners know where they can find you or if they can actually place an order? Let us know. If you follow along on like every social media platform, it's at Slip Health. Slip has two Ps. Our website is slip.org, but it's not like much of a website right now because we don't have the online store going yet. So probably best to follow on social media and on Instagram, we like are constantly trying to share a lot of educational, like fun facts that people don't know about sexual health. Yeah, I saw you had a lot of great content on there. Stuff that I didn't even know. I was like, oh, I probably should know this as a woman. <laughs> exactly. There's so much. I Like, I can't believe it. I feel like as time goes on and I'm learning more and more, I'm just like blown away by so many things that we're not aware of and not, or not taught. So I feel like I don't know. It's just ripe with content to share because there's so much to talk about. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to support is by liking, following, rating, or reviewing on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am entirely grateful to those that have already left a review or have reached out to me. I'm always open to chatting on Instagram, so hit me up at Podcast. Today's episode has been produced by yours truly, Juliana Della Costa, and edited by Carolina with Swell Podcasting. Be sure to check back next Tuesday for another episode to hear her stories, hear her advice, hear her defined.